1: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Indie Football Podcast. I'm your host Luke Brown and joining me in the studio this week we have columnist Tony Evans and football reporter Lawrence Osler. This week we're asking a simple question, how much football is too much football? With Liverpool forced to divide their squad to compete in the Carabao Cup and FIFA Club World Cup, is it time that the powers that be curtailed the football calendar? Or should we shut up and be grateful for the endless sport? Let's start with the Liverpool situation, and here is what Jürgen Klopp had to say last night about his plans on playing in two cup competitions in the space of two days.
2: No, we don't know exactly yet. We have an idea how we do it, but it's too early to speak about that. We had to make a decision now. We made a decision because all the other alternatives were, were more problems than solutions, um, and that didn't didn't work out, so we said, okay, that's how we how we can do it as good as it's possible for us, and um, but all the rest we have now a bit of time to think about that. We have now more important things to do, um, concentrating where we had today playing a the game, then concentrating on the next game. But in these next couple of weeks, we will make a decision how it will exactly look. But at the end, they will play a Liverpool team 100%. I respect the competitions, and look, the the, the Carabao Cup, it sounds always like we don't want to play. That's not true. What I don't like of the Carabao Cup to be one of us you know, is two legs in a semi final. I don't understand that. It's in the most busy period. You think, okay, we play two semi final. That I don't understand it I don't like. But all the rest is a nice competition. We don't play the FA Cup in the first part of the season, so we play there. That's all okay. Um, and the Team World Cup, you. Play only if you win the Champions League. That doesn't happen in your life five million times. So it means we'll take the opportunity. I ask you, it's the best, is it the best time in the year? No. Um, are you anyway pretty busy? Yes, but you go there. We try. We, we, we try to play all the games we have with all what we have.
1: Tony, do you agree with Klopp that Liverpool cannot carry on like this with their kind of fixture calendar being so, so congested? Well, I mean, clearly it's a big issue for the squad, and if you're going to
3: try and win every trophy, then it, it does present a problem. Having said that, uh, these are the two least important competitions that they will play in, and w- you know, we see managers all the time playing the kids, including Klopp, in the League Cup, and um, so you know, it's it, it for me, it's it, this is the um the underside of winning the Champions League, you know, you want success, what comes with it, it's not ideal, but then you bleat about it, well, quit with it, get on with it, it's, um, you know, is, is there too much football? Probably, yes, without a doubt, there's certainly too much football on television, you know, when you get an overkill every night, um, and players, and, and certainly with the physicality needed these days, are being run into the ground, but, you know, FIFA are going to review the calendar in 2024, and we should be careful what we wish for.
1: Klopp has um, pointedly ruled out playing two completely different sides. You know, leaving one side at home and taking another side to the Club World Cup. Lawrence, do you think that's a good idea? Because we we're used to clubs playing weaker sides in the Carabao Cup, so I'm not really sure why that would be as controversial as it's being made out to be. I think it
4: kind of makes sense. He doesn't have a huge amount. I don't know what the alternative is really. If you don't take two. Yeah, if you don't split your squad, then I don't quite know how you approach the two games. He's The schedule's kind of been forced upon him. Um, it'll be quite interesting to see how he approaches it. So whether he, presumably he takes his strongest side to the Club World Cup, I suppose. I think there'll be a bit of political pressure from FIFA to do that. Um, so if Liverpool are knocked out by Villa, whether then the narrative is that Liverpool have effectively kind of given up the Carabao Cup, their position in the Carabao Cup to play in the Club World Cup, which kind of has echoes of... Manchester United and how they gave up their place in the FA Cup uh, all those years ago um, to do the same thing. So it'll be quite interesting to see how people react once the games are over, particularly if Liverpool lose to Villa. Um, but I d- yeah, I don't think really Klopp has much choice. He's going to have to split his squad. And I guess it's just how he goes about it. Does he leave one or two strong players to take on Villa or does he just play his, his full strongest 11, um against <laughs> whoever it will be? I think it probably is going to be, I'm just looking it up, against... Mexican side Monterrey in the semi-final. The big, semifinal. The big, the big Mex- They could play a team from um, <laughs> from uh, the New Ca- Caledonia. New, yeah, New Caledonia or Qatar's Al Sadd. Uh, we looked up New Caledonia at uh, this side, who I can't pronounce. Hing- Heng uh, I think Hing- Yeah, sure. And their badge <laughs> is interesting. Yeah, um, it was
1: designed on clipart. We're <laughs> fairly certain it was designed on clipart with the gradient effect.
4: They've got, I think, they've got a stadium of 600 people. So, like, just it's an absolutely ridiculous situation. That Liverpool potentially will play them in anyway. Anyway, and you could argue that from a football perspective, Klopp should play a weaker team against a side like that rather than against Villa, who are a difficult side to play against.
1: Yeah, Tony, how do you think he will approach it? Do you think he's going to go kind of half and half, or maybe play the kids in the Carabao, even though it would seem to make more sense to play them in in the Club World Cup?
3: Yeah, I think you'll probably play the play the kids against Villa more kids. I think there'll be a seeding of senior players um, from the squad in there. But in many ways, it might be a, a bonus to get knocked out of the League Cup. I'm 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 personally the sort of person who believes you should try and win everything that you you know you're in. But given that that would we'll throw up a two leg semi final in in January, they're already playing. Um, January and early February, they're already playing one game every three days between now and the end of um, January, or, or the spell towards the middle of January. So th- that's a lot for for a squad that wasn't replenished in the summer and does look a bit thin. So, so I, I think he'll do that. I, I mean... Obviously, the priority is the title race, and the, almost as important as the Champions League, everything else is a little bit secondary to them at the you know at the moment, and I expect it to be continue to be that way. So I think he'll he'll marshal his resources, play play bits and bobs in both, and if you know if he gets through to the final of the, the the Club World Cup, then you play your strongest team. Yeah. And um, and if you get past Villa, then you you know sort of you worry about the semis when they come.
1: We'll come on to talk about the Club World Cup a little bit more in a minute because obviously it's going to be revamped in 2021. Um, Lawrence, where do you think this leaves the fans? Because that's one thing that hasn't been spoken about a hell of a lot. I mean, if you're a Liverpool fan. You can't, you can't really do Villa and then Qatar. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I'm not sure what you prioritize. I mean, Liverpool. I don't. I, surely they're not expecting many people to travel for it. It's not a particularly no. hospitable place. But
4: Tony will know more than me, but I don't think they are. I mean, I think I did see a tweet today which said that you technically you can get to both games <laughs> if you <laughs> you need you need to get through like baggage pretty quickly on the other side, but you can make it. Um, but yeah, I, I presume there won't be many Liverpool fans travelling. Um, I mean. That is just the nature of a having a club World Cup in the middle of a season and B having it in Qatar, which is very difficult to get to. Um, so yeah, it's 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 not great for fans, is it really? Um, but I think a lot of Liverpool fans will just end up watching it on TV.
3: Yeah, I mean, if, if you ask me to have sympathy for the obsessives who have to go to every game, <laughs> then I've got none at all. Get a life, get some perspective. <laughs> you know, it's um,
1: telling me you're not excited for Al Saad versus Liverpool.
3: Oh, you know, and I mean. I, I, I think more people will obviously want to go to um, Qatar for the experience of a uh, uh, Club World Cup, and you know to see where it's like. It's a it's a very interesting place. It's a, not a place I think is um, I'd be very keen to go back to personally. But you know, it's a uh, it, it, it's it's worth a look round, and um, and it's, it'll also be it'll be good in the sense that it'll give people an idea of what to expect with the World Cup because at the same time of year but yeah I, I think Liverpool will take a, a few thousand to uh, you know to, to the Gulf for that um, and I, I think Villa well I mean those who stay behind who can't afford to get out to there will go to Villa so they'll have good support in both places yeah. but as I say the sadsters who want to go to every game well
1: I'm sorry <laughs> get over it uh, Klopp has said kind of how excited he is to play in the Club World Cup. Um, he's spoken about how a club doesn't get the opportunity to play in it very often, how it's a kind of special occasion. Uh, Lawrence, what do you kind of make of that tournament in its current state? Uh, do you think it's as prestigious as it should be, or is it essentially... It's basically a Confederations Cup, isn't it? It's a kind of warm-up event for Qatar, it feels almost. Yeah, I suppose that's true.
4: Um, I, th- I don't know, I mean... I- I think I remember live blogging Real Madrid versus Kashima Antlers a couple of years ago, and just thinking this is one of the most pointless things I've ever done. Um, I just think, <laughs> which actually was an incredible game, and has got a hat trick. But um, it, I think, it's largely pointless, and I think it will be. I think it will be worse. with the new plans to move it—they want to move it to the summer, don't they? And make it a bigger, expanded competition. Yeah, so,
1: should we kind of clarify? So, from twenty twenty-one, it's going to have twenty-four clubs from six confederations. It's going to be played in the summer. So it will take on kind of a lot more uh, prestige in the summer, I
4: guess. The thing is, that is the way football is going. Football, f- we are leaning towards eventually a European Super League. We are, I mean, football is becoming more international in a sense, club football. So I suppose that is an inevitable end product of of yeah this kind of path that we're going down. Um, I th- I think, I find it hard to think people will really, really get into it until it is that kind of serious summer tournament. Right, I think it's uh,
3: I think it's simple. If you win it, you go, yeah, we're world champions, and you think it's great. And if you lose, you go, right, you know what? It's a glorified friendly. And um, you know, football fans, that's the way they wear. Football clubs, that's the way they work. Um, there is a move to make it, as you know, we'll just discuss much more serious. This has been in the um, in the often for almost a decade. There's been uh, an eagerness to create a summer tour- club tournament. Um, in a exotic location, and obviously the first one's going to be in China, yeah. um, which was announced last week. Um, and it w- will take on more significance because of the amount of
1: money that will be offered to each individual club for participation. It uh, feels like FIFA have just basically got pissed off at watching the International Champions Cup, which is obviously a complete you know, made-up thing, mm. make an incredible amount of money. And actually, people have kind of bought into that in a surprising way, and it feels like FIFA have kind of seen the success of that and thought, well, we might as well just, yeah, do it ourselves with a slightly bigger ball, ball at the end,
3: yeah, and um, and and obviously, the, the look at the television figures they can get and the sponsorship, and um, and it, it is a, it's a cash cow. It's another cash cow. So and it, so it we'll take on a more sig- significant uh, place in the calendar uh, when it gets revamped.
1: Will it ever be worthwhile? Do you think? Because. Like, romantically, I feel like it's quite a nice idea. You kind of envisage Boca Juniors playing Real Madrid or, you know, some incredibly glamorous match. But I suppose, you know, the the disparities across the the football globe, you're always going to end up with horrific mismatches and then what, Real Madrid playing United or something?
4: I don't understand. How do you get behind it? Like, should we be supporting Europe and, like, supporting Barcelona if they get through and taking on South America? Like, I I don't think people can ever really be that engage with it because it's just unless you're a Liverpool, like you say, if you're a Liverpool mm. fan you think, oh, this is fantastic, we've won the World Cup, but no one else cares
3: <laughs> Yeah, and, and uh, I, I think well, one of the reasons for widening it is to to increase its appeal and I mean the idea is to get Barcelona Real Madrid, Liverpool and Manchester United in it every year because they're the big sellers, whether we like it or not, and they will attract big television audiences and, um, and that brings the
1: cash Who are we uh, predicting to win?
4: got to be the uh, Kashima antlers. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they're in it. Uh, I mean, Liverpool are going to win it, aren't they? Unless they uh, unless the only thing that might stop them is resting players for the semi-final. Mm. and uh, Otherwise, they'll win it, won't they? Yeah.
3: Um, do we care?
1: Not really. But how funny <laughs> would it have been if Spurs have won the Champions League and were in the Club World Cup in their current guise of everything <laughs> going completely wrong, yeah. <laughs> struggling uh, to win a single match in the Premier League and yet potentially being world champions?
4: It can derail your season. I mean, Liverpool do have to be careful, I suppose. United um, had... I think yeah, United it did derail their season a little bit, didn't it? And and they um I think they ended up losing no, actually. Did they win the two thousand Premier League? I think maybe they did. But it I don't know, it can it can uh, there's definitely a Real Madrid had a season where it derailed their season. Yeah. I think like well, you can just be humiliated. Well when um I think
3: back to when Inter uh, won us and um basically they sacked Rafa the week after, didn't they? So I mean, you know, it's uh it's it, it's one of those situations where It it, its significance, even for the big clubs, when they winners, isn't really serious. I mean, I I was actually looking through, uh, uh, you know, sort of Benitez's trophy list uh, to to use somewhere, and um, and I left her out (laughs)
4: because it wasn't really a trophy. Yeah, well, Liverpool add it to their wall. I suppose they will, won't they? I guess so. I I think Klopp, though, one of the biggest. he, He genuinely might be quite pleased if. If they almost have an excuse to lose to Villa because we've almost got that mini winter break now, where in in the beginning of January, where you can Mm. play your second eleven in the FA Cup third round, and then you kind of you have like a two-week break, and your best players can just chill out, and some Mm. teams actually do send them on holiday. Um, and Liverpool would completely lose that if they have two legs in a mm. League Cup semi-final. So yeah. I, I do think Klopp might have half an eye on just getting knocked out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: And what, one of the things is, uh, and, you know, so to this start of the season has been brilliant But um, I, I always think of Man United in um, in '85 when they won the first ten games and then went unbeaten for fifteen and finished fourth. Mm. You know, it's um, mm. and. There are echoes in the, sort of the Liverpool squad—the over reliance on certain players, um, you know, and injuries could hit them. So I, th- I think you know, Klopp will be desperate to get all the points he can get before Christmas because he knows that in the new year, as the season begins to become a grind, City will start him the way back towards them. Um, so, so yeah, the, the two-legged semi-final, as I say, why? While I, you know. I'd, I'd be I'd be fairly sad from a fan point of view if they got knocked out by Villa it might be the best thing for them in the yeah. you know this quest to bring the title to Anfield for the first time in oh, I don't know 700 years I think it is
1: <laughs> going off topic slightly I suppose as well that's why uh, we're recording this on Wednesday so last night's victory over Genk was so positive because they played Salah, they left out Firmino, Mane, Mm. and yet they got the win. If they win their next game, I think that means they'll be able to rest players for their last Champions League match and not really be able to worry about that, so... I suppose they have started to kind of move yeah, the I mean, around a little bit. E- effectively they're through now. So, you know, it'll yeah. take a, a catastrophe for them to, to go out so they
3: can they can slow play Europe a little bit yeah. and start managing the resources. We haven't seen them um do that as much as I thought he would in the first part of the season. But I think we're entering the phase where he will, you know, we'll get we'll get into the, the, the rotation yeah phase of the season.
1: Okay. Uh time for a quick break. When we get back, we're going to be offering up some potential solutions for all of this football, and we're going to talk about the impending clash between UEFA and FIFA over the Nations League and obviously the revamped Club World Cup.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Indie Football Podcast. This week we're asking the question, how much football is too much football? Uh, We're going to move on to talking about some potential solutions for our current state of football overload. But first let's talk a little bit about the impending conflict between UEFA and FIFA over international football. So, Lawrence, we've spoken about the plans to revamp the Club World Cup but that would put it in direct competition with the Nations League, which obviously was incredibly successful last season or last year. Um, Would you rather see a stronger Nations League than the likes of Al Saad and Real Madrid doing battling in Shanghai? Or is there already too much international football as it is?
4: I thoroughly enjoyed the Nations League. I think it was a breath of fresh air for international football. I think qualification period is largely dull, uh, as we've experienced. We've gone back to the qualification period recently and the international breaks have been quite underwhelming. Um, And I really enjoyed the Nations League and I think they should keep going with it. And I think it's quite rare that they introduce a new football competition and you actually get on board with it. But this is one I genuinely thought worked. It replaced quite a lot of meaningless friendlies with genuinely entertaining games between teams who actually were on a par. So, you know, England playing against Croatia and Spain were genuinely... Genuine matchups, rather than England playing against, you know, Kosovo or Liechtenstein, as we often you know, drawn against. So, yeah, I thought the Nations League was good, and I think they should look after it. And I, I don't, I really don't like the Club World Cup idea personally. I just can't get behind it at all. I, I would much, rather prefer to see the Nations League preserved.
1: We're gonna have our time selling our Club World Cup live blogs after. <laughs> 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 um, Tony, one idea to kind of help ease the. Fitcher congestion in football is perhaps for international football to kind of follow international rugby a little bit. I know FIFA have spoken about having longer international breaks where maybe international teams play four games rather than two. Would you be a fan of that idea or do you think that would just completely sap the momentum out of domestic football?
3: What's rugby? (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, no. I I, I think... there's a real difficulty because we 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 all hate the uh, international breaks because they disrupt the rhythm of the the season and but then if you did have longer breaks then it's a feel I think the resentment towards the game, the international game, would grow more. But it's that weird dichotomy, isn't it? Because everyone says they can live without international football, and then when tournaments come around in the summer, you know, the Euros or the yeah. World Cup, everyone buys into it and loves it. And you can't have one without the other. Uh, my my instinct is that we we're overloaded with club football, and you could probably rein back a little bit. In that area, yeah, you could probably and you know the turkeys will never vote for Christmas, but you could probably it makes sense to bring the Premier League down, the big leagues down to eighteen teams, you know, or maybe even sixteen. Uh, well, that, that that's where we'll be heading towards when the when we get the European Super League. Yeah. But uh, you know, t- so smaller and um, divisions. But I mean, no one's ever going to vote for that. No one's ever going to do that. So I think. As difficult as it is to have to, and, and as much as people moan about the system we've got now, I think it'd be, it'd take a real genius to work out a better way of doing things. Yeah.
1: I, I feel like longer international breaks might improve the standard at least. You know, if you've got four games back to back, and you've got a team kind of develops a bit more cohesion. Cause the problem is, so many international games are just crap, aren't they?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, the the, the the disparity in the standards of teams mm. mean that you'd have. You, I mean, it's possible that you'd have four weeks where England or Spain or you know one of the the, the, the bigger countries are just rolling over teams. Yeah. For, for that, and and that would only turn people away. From I just the I feel game. like
1: if you could like get qualifying out the way in two breaks. That's a much more attractive proposition than like pausing the domestic season what like four or five times for these yeah. endless kind of crap matches.
3: Yeah, I mean, I can see the point of it, but I, I just think there's too many there's too many crap falls involved
4: mm-hmm. in it. I think the only thing that's going to give way in club football is the, the domestic cup competitions because they're the things that make the least money, and they have already slightly given way. I think last year the FA Cup fifth round replay was removed. A couple of years before, there was mm. the, the we used to have. Two legs in the quarterfinals of the League Cup, didn't we? And that was removed. And I think that is the area that might get squeezed. Um, I love the straight
1: to penalties rule. I'm a big yeah, fan of
4: that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm all for that. And mm. I think, uh, I mean, personally, I wouldn't miss the League Cup that much if it if it eventually ceased trading. um <laughs> I think that that probably won't happen. And I think there was a good argument for. I mean, that Liverpool Arsenal five all game. You do get those kind of mad mm. fixtures in the League Cup that you kind of don't have in other. It's just sort of football loses its. Um, organization for some reason you get chaos, but yeah I wouldn't
1: I wouldn't miss the League Cup to be honest. As a sh- huge football romantic, would you be aghast to see the FA Cup potentially move to midweek? Yes, I
4: love the FA Cup. <laughs> it should be on a weekend and it should have its special place in our calendar.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I I do like the
4: FA Cup and I think the FA Cup does what most of what the League Cup is trying to do anyway. It's I hate the
1: FA Cup. Why? It's so much worse than the Cup because the League Cup doesn't have all the kind of like. God, like the pretentious attitude and the, the, the <laughs> magic of the cup, like yeah. I saw all that. <laughs> oh, the FA Cup gets my nerves, I mean, it starts so late, and it saps so much energy from the season. Carabao Cup, you know what you're getting. No one really cares. Yeah, done but what, by February. Great. What is the winner? It's not the
4: best. Cu- it's not the best cup team in the li- in the country, is it? The best cup team in the country is the team who wins the FA Cup. Uh, really? Yeah, it's like the Europa League and the Champions League. Europa League. I think it's slightly pointless. And I really good am job not of getting am, another one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're bringing in what's it called? The European champ no, championship something or other. Oh. The, the third competition. Yeah. Um which I just don't think we need. I mean well, I mean all it is is to throw
3: a bone to the smaller nations so they can ring fence the Champions League
1: for the bigger nations. Yeah. Um I don't think anybody here is a huge rugby fan as we've Ascertained. I didn't much enjoy that the Rugby World Cup, but I do kind of envy how with a sport like rugby, the entire calendar is kind of focused on the Rugby World Cup and the quarterfinals and the semifinals and the final to an extent of the Rugby World Cup were the best matches that you could possibly watch. And with football, we don't really get that. So do you think there's an argument that kind of other sports are designed to have this momentum all around one tournament or one event, but because there's so much football in so many different competitions, like the Champions League last night, there were great matches, but... Ajax-Chelsea could have been a Carabao Cup match, right? It it wasn't particularly high on Mm. quality. Yeah,
4: and I think that's what's great about the World Cup is that it's every four years and and we've managed to keep that and preserve that sanctity of the World Cup. So when it comes, it's not once in a generation, but when it comes around, it feels like a whole new event that we've never seen before. And the Champions League, time and time again, you're like, okay, these guys met last Mm. last year's quarterfinals Bayern Munich and Real Madrid again. And so, yeah, I I do think that yeah, and you're right, the world, the Rugby World Cup's a good example of that kind of preservation of those well, I think. I think moments. the problem with rugby is that there's what? Well, I don't know, there's three
3: and a half nations who play it. So <laughs> the last four are always going to be very strong, aren't they? I mean, no, you know what I mean? It's a very small pool. You know, you're always going to get England, France, Wales, Ireland, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, and, you know, PEM, you know, Two from that four from that seven are gonna be in the last four all yeah. the time. So I mean there is there's still a predictability there. I've probably missed someone out. But you know what? I don't care. I don't care about rugby. <laughs> it's just it's 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 everything about it's wrong.
1: Also, the problem with rugby that I had no idea until this World Cup is that the poor old premiership just kind of Oh, lingers on? on in this zombie state where it's robbed of all its good players and nobody gives a shit about it. And yet the kind of, yeah, and all the the other stuff's going on halfway across the world. Cricket is the same, isn't it, where Alistair Cook didn't play for Essex for about 10 years. So <laughs> <laughs> their best player just like completely
4: stolen. Uh, well, I mean, there, there is also a case for doing that in football. Make that the great leveller. You know, you
3: wonder how you can get make leagues more competitive. Well, you know, Barcelona and Real Madrid, go on, you've got to play your league games when uh, you've lost all your players. You know, Man City, well, good luck. You know, they, actually, they've got the squad. It wouldn't matter. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, it, 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 you know, I'm all for that.
1: I suppose, final question. Do we think the amount of matches is hurting the the overall standard of, like, top-tier football? Tony, you were at the, the Chelsea game last night. I mean, was that, uh, you know, a thrilling game of high-quality football? Is that two sides... I I mean slogging it out
3: for for well
1: for seventy minutes it
3: was Ajax played very very neat uh, technically excellent football and uh, the movement was great and then it all fell apart Chelsea less so uh, because they you know sort of they play in a league where still physicality and pace is you know more important than actual control of the ball. Um, But it was pretty good for 70 minutes, and then it just fell apart. It all went wrong. And, you know, uh, the referee um, was Chelsea's best player. And, you know, it's... Before we go there, I mean, what what world are we in where a defender puts his hands behind his back, tries to scout the way of the ball, and as it's his arm and you get a penalty? I mean, it's... uh, uh,
1: uh, uh, As... As... Well... I mean, referee has jumped the shark. So there's no point in me talking about it. <laughs> well, it was the second yellow was for the descent, right? Yeah. Rather than the actual handball offence. Yeah. What did he do? Just shouting in the referee's face.
3: Oh, but yeah, I mean, you know, sort of. I mean, in the same passage of play, seeing one of his teammates sent off and being given a penalty. Which, I mean, frankly, if if I would have been a penalty would have been given against me in those circumstances, I wouldn't have been happy, and I might have <laughs> called the Italian ref some Italian swear words. <laughs> and you know, it's uh, a. <laughs> But I, yeah, and um, I was entertained, it was entertaining. That was great, and, and football is wonderful like that.
1: But um, it did feel like triple jeopardy essentially. That you can, in the same pa- like phase of play, mm-hmm. you can get a second yellow. The game continues. Your team then gives away a penalty, mm-hmm. and then as a reaction to that, you get another man sent off. Has that feels team, ridiculous.
4: Has a team ever gone through a worse phase of play than that? Have two that could be it. <laughs> a penalty and two red cards. So I don't know. It might have been the maddest
3: minutes, and you know, in the in. in, in We've seen for a long time, you know. Yeah. In fact, you know, I, I can't remember anything like it in all the years I've been watching the game.
1: Ajax do not enjoy playing English teams in the Champions League, do they?
3: Well, they yeah, fold, the and, you know, they, they, they kind of they get in front and they've got the game won, they switch off, and you know, and, and that's a flaw. It might be youth, it might be an experience, it might be the manager, but but they, they really, I mean, and they pass the ball so well. All they have to do, Chelsea's press. Chelsea tried to press them high, and it just wasn't working. You know, they, I mean, they really haven't got the, game, the players to play that sort of high press. And, um, and they just you know knocked the ball around them. So, you know, it goes to 4-2. All right, everyone be calm. Let's just pass the ball around. Plus, they, they were catching Chelsea on the break, but instead, you know, a collective madness breaks out, and they were lucky to get away with it in the end.
1: OK, thank you, gents. There's just enough time left for a hero and villain of the week. Lawrence, anyone at the top of your head for a hero? Chelsea's Rhys James. Came off the bench, looks like
4: he's prepared to play at that level uh, and it's probably only a matter of time before he starts
1: starting games for Chelsea. And we've got a very nice interview with him on the website. Can't remember who wrote it. Uh, Tony, do you have a villain? I think everyone connected with Verona who tried to uh,
3: justify the racist abuse of Balotelli and suggest that it wasn't really racism. All it was was putting opposite players off, and um, and it, it's just it's just despicable. And um, so yeah, everyone there.
1: Also the players who were trying to force him to continue.
3: It's teammates who, you know, instead of like, oh, yes, stay on the pitch. You know, they they should be off. They should be, you know, it's supposed to be a team. And I know Mario can be difficult. He can be um, a bit bit unusual in the dressing room. He doesn't, you know, it's a... people respond to him in different ways, but in, in that situation, he was perfectly right and I think he should be the uh, if, if we have a second hero of the week, he should be the second hero of the week for scoring the winning goal and you know, it's um, and uh, I, I think it's at some point, someone's going to make a stand in, especially in, in Italy and just take the whole team off and refuse to come back on
1: Okay, uh, thanks very much gents, uh, sadly that's all we've got time for this week, be sure to follow Indie Football on social media to keep up to date with everything that's going on If you're a new listener, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever it is you listen. And we'll see you next week. Goodbye.